When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the world of the unusual, the bizarre, and every once in a while, the macabre. This is Beyond Reality Radio. Welcome to the program. On a late night Thursday, Bruce Marcus and glad to be with you. JV Johnson has the night off as he is continuing preparations for Scaricon 2019 in Rochester. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So welcome to the program. Two hours of interesting conversation coming up. We'll tell you who our three special guests will be in just a moment. But first, we like to remind you about ways to follow this show. Uh, we have an excellent website. It's beyondrealityradio.com. Again, that's beyondrealityradio.com. Uh, we also have a chat room. Go to YouTube, JV Johnson on YouTube, and you can chat. You can make fun of me if you'd like. Constructive criticism, always accepted as well. Uh, again, the chat room, JV Johnson on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook at Beyond Reality Radio. And on Snapchat and Instagram. And if you'd like to follow me on Facebook, uh, that's always welcome too. Uh, about 10 months ago, started a, a Facebook page called Bruce Markison's Ghostly Gallery. Hard to spell my last name, so all you have to do is go to Facebook and write in at Ghostly Gallery. One word, at Ghostly Gallery. Uh, we hope you follow and like the page. We have all sorts of stuff about horror, sci-fi, movies, books, literature, Lots of interesting stuff. It's also a way for me to tell you the next time I'll be hosting uh, this program. I'll be hosting, of course, tonight, also Monday night as well. So these are the different ways you can follow us on social media and at our website. Again, it's beyondrealityradio.com. Tonight's guest uh, will be the host of a new show. It is called The Holzer Files. Dave Schrader, investigator. Cindy Keza, a psychic, and Shane Pittman, the equipment technician for the show, they are reopening the case files of America's first ghost hunter, Dr. Hans Holzer, on the Travel Channel's new show. It airs on Thursday nights. In fact, I believe it was episode five aired earlier tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so we're going to talk about this new show and we're going to get perspectives from three different people, the investigator, the psychic, and the person who runs uh, the equipment. Uh, so really should be a very fascinating conversation. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dave Schrader and Cindy Keza on in hour number one. And then Cindy is going to uh, take off after that. We'll then have uh, Dave and Shane Pittman in hour number two. So we'll kind of break it up that way to make it uh, a little bit easier to follow the conversation, uh, give all of them a chance to talk about what they do in contributing to a very interesting show, really continues the legacy of an absolute legend 
in the field. Dr. Hans Holzer wrote over 120 books on the subject of ghosts and the supernatural, uh, really America's first ghost hunter. And uh, his case files um, have recently been rediscovered, and they're the source for this new show, uh, which airs on the Travel Channel. So that's coming up tonight. Tomorrow, Friday night, is our traditional best-of show, highlights of previous programs. Uh, Then coming up on Monday, our guest will be Maria Wheatley. And I'll be filling in on that show because uh, JV is still going to be making his way back from Rochester. I will talk to Maria. She is a professional dowser. She'll be discussing dowsing, ley lines, earth energies, and uh, I find this very fascinating, the long-skulled people of Stonehenge. Uh, That'll be a topic that is brand new to me. I've heard of Stonehenge, but not the long-skulled people, so we'll learn about that on the Monday program. Tuesday should be a lot of fun as well. Uh, JV will be back for that. His guest is Mr. Lobo, the mysterious host of the late-night movie program called Cinema Insomnia. This has been a cult sensation for 18 years, and they're going to be discussing what are the best movies to watch during this Halloween season. Um, For those of you that get Turner Classic Movies, they have been doing uh, marathons of horror movies Every Thursday night in October leading up to Halloween. And tonight is Ghost Night on Turner Classic. Actually uh, showing some great old haunted house movies like The Uninvited and uh, The Original Haunting from 1963. But Mr. Lobo will have his recommendations on the best films to watch in these weeks leading up to Halloween. So that's what's coming up over the next several days right here on Beyond Reality Radio. But once again, tonight's focus, the new show, The Holzer Files. Dave Schrader, investigator, and Cindy Keza, the psychic on the show, will be joining us in hour number one. Uh, they'll talk about the reopening of the case files of America's first ghost hunter, the legendary Dr. Hans Holzer. It's the Travel Channel's new show um, airing Thursday nights in the fall and winter. So our guests coming up, Dave Schrader and Cindy Keza. We're just getting started on a late night Thursday. This is Beyond Reality Radio. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a Shark and save. And tonight we are going to be looking at the Holzer files. For the first time ever, Travel Channel is exclusively reopening the case files of America's first ghost hunter, the legendary Hans Holzer, revealing the original recordings and documents from the paranormal pioneers' renowned studies. In this new program, the Holzer files, which has been airing Thursday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, On the Travel Channel, there's a dedicated paranormal team revisiting Holzer's most captivating cases. Also, with the help of Holzer's daughter, Alexandra, and researcher Gabe Roth, the team is basically picking up where Holzer left off to re-examine the terrifying hauntings that he dedicated his life to researching. 
Joining us in hour number one uh, from the program, the Holes Are Fouls, uh, uh, Files, uh, Dave Schrader. Uh, Dave, an experienced paranormal investigator and radio host. He became fascinated with the unexplained at an early age. Uh, read books by pioneers like Hans Holzer and has traveled the world in search of the truth since then. Also with us, Cindy Kaza, psychic medium. Uh, she had her first memorable encounter with a spirit when she was only 10 years old. She kind of dismissed this chilling experience as just a dream until her 20s when she realized she was continually having these psychically spiritual experiences. Since this awakening, Keza has been searching for the truth about her gifts and uh, really testing the limits of her multifaceted abilities. We welcome to Beyond Reality Radio, Dave Schrader and Cindy Keza. Dave and Cindy, welcome to the program. How are you tonight? Good, thanks. Thanks for having us. So that's yeah, Cindy. doing great. Thank you so much. Yes, and that's Dave. Very good. We thank you both for uh, being with us on uh, tonight's program. Let me begin with Dave. Uh, you were somebody who grew up kind of studying and admiring a, a legendary figure like Hans Holzer. What does it feel for you now to be on a show that carries his name and carries his legacy? I mean, that must be a thrill for you. You know, it really is. I, I... I can't even tell you how honored and humbled I am to be a part of this. Uh, and that's not just lip service. I mean, I, I used to read his books. My mom read his books. My aunt read his books. And, and I was lucky enough on our radio show, Darkness Radio, to do the last radio interview with Hans Holzer. Really? And to, yeah, have, you know, 12, 10, 12 years later, uh, the opportunity to carry that torch into a new generation and share his history and stories and re-examine them and reignite those uh, those parts of history, man, I, I, every bit of it has been great. And I've been blessed to work on a, on a great show that takes it seriously, that loves the mystery and history, and then, you know, to be kind of paired up with uh, a new brother and sister with Shane and, and Cindy, I, I just couldn't ask for a better group to be working with, and Alexandra and Gabe Roth and, and our crew and and uh, production and, and Travel Channel has been just truly amazing. So this is, I, I'm a blessed guy. This is, uh, this is a dream come true. Dave, Hans Holzer died 10 years ago, uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. When did his career as an active ghost hunter um, uh, conclude? At, at what point... Um, did he have to stop uh, maybe just simply because of, of advancing age or health restrictions? But at what point did he basically kind of end his active involvement in this field? Well, defining active is the tough part. I know up until he passed away, he was still getting letters and responding and giving advice and helping people. I think if I recall properly um, that he had stopped maybe a year or two before uh, really kind of actively doing things. But, you know, I, I, I guess when you're an investigator and you're a historian like Hans was and you're, you're engaged in the science of it, I don't know that he ever truly let it go. I'm sure he was always working on it and, you know, reexamining the histories and new science that was coming out. Yeah, when you're passionate about a subject, it is, it's hard to give it up. There's no question about it, even, uh, even as you move into your 80s and your 90s. Um, let's bring on uh, uh, Cindy Kaza into the conversation. Cindy, when did you first become aware of the work of Hans Holzer? 
it's really kind of embarrassing to say this, but I didn't even know the work of Hans Holzer until I was asked to be a part of this show, which seems kind of crazy because I'm a psychic medium. But, you know, um, the, I usually go around doing these live events where I'm bringing through people's loved ones from the other side. So I hadn't really spent a ton of time doing a lot of uh, paranormal investigation. So for me, um, I was, you know, I'm so grateful the more that I know about Hans Holzer because he believed in mediums. He truly thought mediums were a great tool to bring into an investigation. So, you know, I, and, and I think it's better for me to, to knowing less because I haven't read all of the books, right? Like I'm going into these investigations really, really fresh. Uh, and I'm just every time just gaining so much more respect and even talking to Dave and all these people who, you know, are, are, you know, have so much admiration. I just feel so blessed to be a part of this project. Um, yeah, but I'm a little bit behind the curve because I hadn't, you know, read any of his books prior to being on the show. Well, you've got some catching up to do, 120 books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I've got some catching up to do as well. Um, interesting that when you had your first experience, you were all of 10 years of age. You kind of dismissed it. It took a while for you to realize that these were not uh, dreams or your imagination run wild. What was the turning point? At what point did you realize that you really had an ability and that you could consider yourself a, a psychic, a medium? Well, you know, so I'd had all these experiences, you know, first when I had 10, and then, I would, you know, I would have premonitions knowing things were going to happen before they did. I'm an empath, but it, was, it really wasn't until I was introduced to automatic writing, um, a friend of mine said, hey, you know, because I was already, always interested in, in kind of like metaphysics, and I believed in, in all this stuff because I had had my own experiences, but she said, hey, you should try this thing called automatic writing. And so I was like, all right, I'll try it. And then it was like the floodgates just opened. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And so I had this big awakening and everything just kind of, you know, started making sense. And then from there on, I really had to embrace my ability because it was just really in my face. Yeah. And, you know, for, for many years, I, um, I, I had a lot of anxiety because I was so sensitive. And it was really a, a gift to have, finally figure out what all of this was because it's troubling if you don't understand why you're having these experiences or why you're feeling everybody else's emotions all the time. So, But it was the automatic writing that really opened the floodgates, and I'm really grateful that I'm on a show where I can utilize automatic writing because it's one of my strongest faculties. You know, I just learned about automatic writing with a guest earlier this year. Uh, but for those who are not familiar with the term, what exactly is that? Tell us, uh, explain what automatic writing is about. So automatic writing is a way to communicate with spirits where you're really just kind of surrendering and letting the pen move, and you're letting them just talk through you through writing. And the writing is so fast. It's actually faster than I think I could ever, you know, form a sentence so it comes out so 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 fast and it's just channeling so you know when we're, you're watching the show and Hans worked with trance mediums that go kind of out of body and allow the spirits to speak using their vocal cords I'm doing a form of trance I'm so lucid but they're they're communicating through me through writing so it's it's I'm seeing everything coming out at the same time everybody else is does that make sense it's like in real time yeah. I'm not thinking it and then writing it it's just all coming out very quickly and this is actual writing. You're not typing on a keyboard. This is writing with a pen, right? 
Yeah, it's writing with a pen. But I can also um, do it, you know, with using a keyboard or typing on a computer, which because it's more legible. Um, thank God I can type really fast. But, you know, sometimes with the automatic writing when I'm on the show, I'm writing so quickly and then I have to stop and say out loud what I've received because it, when you go back and look at it, it looks like chicken scratch sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dave, we talked a moment ago about how you take a great deal of pride in in working on a project like this. Uh, somebody like Hans Holzer that you admired, and now you're kind of carrying the torch for a show that bears his name. But what about the pressure to follow in those considerable footsteps? Uh, you've gotten a few shows under your belt. The fifth episode, I believe, aired earlier tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, on the Travel Channel how much pressure do you feel to, you know, do the kind of work that Hans Holzer did? Well, uh, actually, they online they numbered them strangely. It's actually tonight was our third episode. Oh, third episode. Our first, our first episode we did um, at the uh, Rye House and, and Peck House in uh, New York, and then we did the Morris Jumel Mansion in New York, and then uh, tonight we visited San Diego, which was Hans's um, big find. He. he deemed it America's most haunted house. Uh, you know, I tried, you know, I'm my worst critic, so I, I really have to stay out of my head when it comes to to worrying about carrying on the legacy. I, I certainly want to go in and represent the family and the family name well, but what I do is, is investigate. I've learned from watching the videos, listening to his recordings, and try to emulate some of his uh, calmness that he brings, which isn't easy because there were times we had so much weirdness going around. Hmm. You know, you're, it's just a, uh, a curse fest as the three of us are standing there and Shane are saying, what's going on? What the F is this? What the F is that? And, <laughs> you know, there's just so much weirdness I wasn't prepared for. And yeah. um, it's, it's a constant learning curve. I, you know, I, all I can do is at the end of the day, just try to ask the right questions uh, bring integrity to the investigation and deliver what we actually get. Uh, that was important to all of us on the show that we yeah. didn't want to be a part of a show that was going to be hype and, and fake and, and sure. that you sure. take bad evidence and make it good. And we were very, very, uh, uh, Dave, you mentioned, and I'm glad that you corrected me that it was the third episode that aired tonight. So three episodes so far, uh, have appeared on the Travel Channel. Let's go through each of these episodes with both of you. Uh, the first episode was a house in Rye, New York, actually not too far from where I grew up in uh, in Yonkers, New York. Uh, tell us um, what happened with that very first show. Well, you know, this was, this was an interesting uh, story, and it was something that really drew our attention because, you know, again, with all of the files that Han Solzer had, trying to figure out which stories to cover and, and which ones to hold off on was tough because there were so many really compelling tales. But this one had a unique twist to it, you know, in a, in a house that was filled with paranormal activity, uh, strange noises, water that would kind of apport and drip from the ceilings. They would bring in plumbers. They couldn't find any reason for where this water was coming from or the things that were taking place. And, and you know, here they come to find the history of this house and realize this, this poor woman had been isolated and left alone in the attic and treated poorly and ended up dying in a, in a fire. And then her spirit was just so active and just didn't want to be forgotten. 
And as soon as they found a way to, and I don't want to give too much away, but when they found a way to kind of placate her, suddenly another property very close by explodes with the same type of activity and, mm. and continued on uh, until recently. And we go in, and it's such an interesting detective novel to kind of be a part of because we get to go in and hear the old stories and we hear the old recordings and, and see the film footage from Hans Holzer and read the handwritten notes and everything that he's been through. And then we take Cindy in, who has no clue where we're, where we're going or why we're there, and just kind of unleash her, let her do mm-hmm. what she does. And then she starts, you know, just kind of pulling up this information and strange details and data that I'm just copiously taking notes on, trying to see what, what we glean from it. And then as the interviews progress with the historians over the next few days, it's astounding the things that Cindy knew that none of us had any clue about yet, just from tapping in and what the spirits were willing to share with her and the echoes of the past brought forward. And then the story reveals itself to, you know, another lost soul, another lost and forgotten uh, family member who actually uh, the two different houses were owned by family members and with very similar histories. And then, you know, it was just, it was kind of a beautiful bookend story that we were able to, to uncover. And, and we did some work to try to help the spirits there. And I, I'm just amazed at every episode watching when Cindy does her thing and then, you know, digs out these, these, pieces of information that nobody knew about. And then we start researching the area and uncover even more to exactly what she was on to with, you know, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing to yeah. see this happen week after week. And it, it's just, that's why I said, it's been such a pleasure because we all get to work as detectives in different aspects of what we do and, and, you know, finding these lost bits of history. And we've been able to recover some remarkable aspects that have been long lost, uh, you know, to time and tide, and and now we're bringing them back to the forefront and giving these spirits a voice again. Before we get to yeah. Cindy's perspective on this, I wanted to ask one follow up to Dave. You mentioned the woman died in the fire. What year? What time frame are we talking about here? Oh gosh, I, I, off the top of my head, I apologize. Uh, you know, we filmed ten episodes. I had to learn ten histories. And then, uh, like you, I'm part of a radio show seven days a week, so I hear these stories over, and the dates start to blend away from me. But um, I, I believe it was, I want to say the late 1800s, early 1900s at that oh, really? place. So this is a right. really old and, story, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it might even be a little bit older on that. I apologize. Like I said, we've talked about so many different cases and, and so many different stories through these uh, deals, and, and we're going way back in time. Some yeah. of them are 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, that these pieces of history uh, are, are being recovered. So, uh, you know, it's just, but people treated special needs people so much differently. You were kind of a a dirty little secret to be locked away, a family embarrassment, and yeah. it was heartbreaking to hear that happen. And poor Cindy has to go in empathically and psychically and I give her a lot of credit because I don't think I could do what she did. If, even if I had the power uh, to do it, she has to go in and, and relive these moments and, and share them with the spirits. And it's heartbreaking to watch uh, Cindy do it sometimes, but man, she's got the strength to pull it through and she does a great job. Cindy, for this episode, 
Was there a spirit or spirits that you were able to make contact with? Tell us about that. Yeah, this episode was really, uh, it was a fascinating episode for me because I got to utilize one of uh, a psychic ability. It's called psychometry where, you know, everything has an energetic imprint or a memory attached to it. So I got to psychometrize a painting, and I know I can't give away too much, but really for me is, is um, you know, you're just sensing and, and, and saying out loud all the things you're you're feeling and seeing based on the object that you're holding. And so when I'm tapping in, I'm picking up the spirit of this woman, and then I'm picking up what I think to be her little brother, and then, you know, I'm just hoping that I'm connecting with the right spirits. I'm just sensing what I'm getting. And to see how the, the opening scene and the psychometry all unfolded to reveal this story was just, it was it was really uh, kind of a beautiful thing because I felt we were really unable to, uh, we were really able to in this message, uh, this, this um, sorry, I'm like losing my mind. When we were in this episode, we were really able to give light to and speak for these spirits that really wanted their stories to be told. And they were both, um, you know, tragedies, the, the lives of these two spirits. And like Dave was saying, you know, back in that time, a lot of people who struggled with, emotional issues or were handicapped, they were kind of locked away like a dirty secret. And, mm. and it was so hard to feel into that. And it's a sad story, but part of our job as investigators is to be able to be a voice for them and to tell their story and to hopefully by telling their story, bring peace to them. So I'm forever, you know, in all of the spirit world and how it works. And I'm so grateful that we as a team, because we are a great team, I feel, um, how we're able to, to give these spirits voices. And, and it's really, it's important. That's why we do this work. So in, in this case, you felt the spirits were very receptive to you. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, it, it depends on uh, the spirit. You know, when you're talking to the the, the Two spirits I was connecting with in psychometry, they wanted their stories to be told. They wanted to be, um, you know, memorialized. They wanted their voices to be heard. And then, you know, you encounter other spirits or energies that are mischievous, that aren't so friendly. And as a medium walking into these houses, it's like walking into multiple time layers and, and layers on the other side and feeling all of these energies all at the same time. So... It, it can be overwhelming. And in this particular episode, we really uncovered a lot. Don't you think so, Dave? Definitely. And you know, it was really impactful, Bruce. And the, this is the sad part. We film for five days. You film 12 to 13 hours a day, and it gets pared down to 42 minutes. And there are some things and aspects that I almost feel protective of that didn't make it on the show but really touched all of us. And yeah, there was a, there was a moment in that house that didn't make the air, but Cindy, Shane, and I were standing um, outside of the stairwell that goes up into the attic, and we were just kind of really blown away by the night and, and talking about Lottie Peck and what she had gone through. And yeah. just thinking about this, every hair that's left on my body is standing upright. We heard this mournful sobbing from a woman, just this... <laughs> And it just came out of the attic, and all of us froze. And Cindy's been doing this a long time with mediumship. She hears and sees spirits all the time, and it was heartbreaking. But it, was. it didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't make the episode, unfortunately, because we were, there was so much that was going on, and we were trying to 
make sure everything fit. It's it's heartbreaking that we lose some points, but I almost felt glad it didn't because that felt like a very we were remembering her. We were giving her mm-hmm. her due, and and I think that that sob was. I think it was a sob of relief because somebody remembered her and her story. And, and you it, know, it, right? It, it paralyzed us. We were all just knocked down when we heard that. And and I agree. And that was a, it was a really powerful moment. And I think because for the you know the show, we're trying to get to the bottom of in each episode what is happening in this house. And what's causing people problems in this house, right? Yeah. And so, in, in that particular episode, we wound up uncovering something that was separate from Lottie that we really had to deal with. And that's why I think, you know, you, you only have 45 minutes, 50 minutes to tell, tell the story and get to the bottom of it. But I hope, uh, you know, at some point, some of that, that extra footage, maybe they'll, they'll release some of it. I mean, I'm hoping because it so, it's really a powerful, that was a powerful episode. This house in Rye, New York, is it currently vacant, or is there a family living there now? Well, the one, fa- the one house, there's a family uh, living there. Uh, the other house is a historic museum uh, and historical society building. And oh, um, when we visit, I mean, the, some of the employees were afraid to go in there at night or be alone in that building. And um, they talked about it, and one of the girls got very emotional about what she sensed. Uh, the other woman just really had a hard time, but we again reminded and empowered them. And Cindy was great at that. You know, you guys have the power here, and don't be frightened. You know, be aware of of your situation and of the stories. And what you're doing is beautiful. You're you're keeping the history alive, and you helped us to uncover these lost souls so that their story will not be forgotten. And and they felt empowered. We felt empowered, and it was. You know, it just was a beautiful kind of resolution. Episode number two brought you to a home in Henniker, New Hampshire. Give us a brief synopsis of what happened there. Well, actually, um, I I think they may have given you the old listings. uh, The the second episode we did was in uh, New New York. It was the Morris Jumel Mansion. Oh, okay. And uh, Henniker is not aired yet. Uh, That is going to be a crazy episode. Oh, is that Ocean Born Mary? Yeah. And that's yeah, a crazy cool. story. It's, le- it's pirates, it's legend, it's lore, it's ghosts and a secret uh, buried treasure and pirate bones. And I mean, it's a great story. And wow, did we go deep. This thing was turning and twisting. So when that episode airs, whenever it does, it's, I think it's going to blow people away. And we really, our team did some amazing work on and off screen of digging out this story and finding the truth. Yeah, It is truth every bit of it's the truth and it was beautifully done so i cannot wait for that episode there but the second episode we did was at the morris jumel mansion in uh, new york and i gotta tell you this story has one of the most remarkably witnessed paranormal experiences in history there was uh, it's a mansion that you know has stood there for hundreds of years it's george washington used it as a, a stronghold at one point during the war and you know, there was a war room there. It was used as a hospital during the Revolutionary War. It was, it was uh, Aaron Burr lived there, you know. Um, all of these dignitaries had been through that house at one time or another. And we got to stand in that history and, and be a part of the history of this house. And they've had strange experiences there that just didn't line up with the known history. And the, the most remarkable story that Hans Holzer was brought in for was 
a group of children and their teachers were gathered outside of the building one morning. They were going there for a field trip. And as the kids are being kids and joking and running around and playing and yakking, the upstairs door opens and a woman comes gliding out and she hushes the crowd and tells them they're being too loud and she goes back in. Well, a few minutes later, the docent shows up to let everybody in and the teachers, you know, sheepishly uh, apologized for the intrusion and for bothering the employees. And she said, there's nobody else here. It's just me. And she's like, well, no, the, the woman dressed in period garb, I'm sure she's one of your, your tour guides. She came out and hushed us and told her we were, we were being very loud and obnoxious. And again, the, the employee said, uh, there's nobody here. <laughs> and they walked in and there's this beautiful portrait of Mrs. Jamel yeah. hanging on the wall. And they saw it and everybody identified this was the woman that they saw. And this was, this made major headlines and news when it took place. And I think it was like 60, I want to say it was 65, 1965 that it took place. And it blew people away. And he went in and, and investigated and found Mr. Jamel and Mrs. Jamel's spirit. And, and he was able to successfully help one of the spirits navigate over to the other side. But Mrs. Jamel held her ground and did not want to give up her home. We have just a couple uh, of minutes. She was so proud of. Just a couple of minutes before the next break. But Cindy, what kind of encounter did you have at this mansion? Yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was a pretty crazy experience because, you know, I walked in and I did feel the presence of, of Eliza, but then I also was tapping into uh, a, a maid who had committed suicide in the house, but what took the whole episode in a total, like, spin in a direction I don't think any of us planned to go, right, I think Dave can attest to that, is I kept seeing uh, some connection, I was seeing feathers and candles, and then I was like, no, this has something to do with with conjuring and magic. And, and so um, without giving away the entire episode for those who haven't seen it, it just really took us to a place where um, I think we uncovered what was really making the place even more active nowadays. And so that could be, you know, uh, calmed down because there are some rituals that were going on outside of the house of the, outside of the mansion. Even nowadays people are coming and doing spell work and leaving things by trees that the staff are having to come and clean up, you know, every week. So there was this whole twist uh, from the, the original story, and we wound up going down a totally different direction. Final question on the mansion. What kind of condition is it in today? Oh, it's, it's in great condition. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a historic center and a museum, and they, they treat it with reverence and love, and it is a beautiful place, and you should go there, if not for the ghosts, for the amazing history and knowing what took place there, who walked through those doors, and you become part of that legend yeah. just by entering that location. And since Cindy is going to be leaving us at the top of the hour, I wanted to ask Cindy one final question. Uh, of all the shows, Cindy, that you have done so far for season number one of this show, was there any situation where you were actually afraid of the spirits you communicated with? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, I, I I really don't walk into something saying I'm so horrified, I'm totally afraid to the point where I can't continue. Although I will say, um, more Schumel, that one was a little bit scary for me, what I was communicating with when I was doing automatic writing upstairs. And I did have to step out of the room for a second, and I did regain my composure. But I feel like it's really important as a medium going into any situation, you have to be strong. And you, you're, you're going in with the intention of communicating with whatever you're communicating with, and you have to stand strong and, and stand up to it. 
So are there things that make me uncomfortable and for a moment I'm a, am I a little bit terrified? Yes, but I feel like so far in this season I stood my ground. I did a good job standing my ground and walking in with strength and, and, and staying in control. I don't know. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I think Morris Jamel was the only one I really saw that rattled you. Uh, you kept your composure tonight's episode when I get knocked on my butt. You and Shane kept your composure. I was the one that kind of lost it. Um, but it was, yeah, it's you go into these experiences expecting something might happen, so you're not necessarily terrified, but it can be very unnerving. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, because as a medium, you know, you really deeply feel what's going on, and you walk into places sometimes where the energy is so thick and it's oppressive, and it's easy if, if you are afraid to let that really yeah. knock you and, and make you want to run out, but that's the job of a medium, to be strong and go in and face it. So I always walk in saying, I'm going to face this, I'm yeah. going to do this, I got this. Well, Cindy, thank you very much. I'm sorry you have to leave us, but uh, we do appreciate uh, what you um, have told us so far. Best of luck with uh, with the program. Thank you, Cindy. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Dave Schrader, the investigator from the show, remains with us. Uh, but now we are also joined by Shane Pittman. Uh, Shane is an equipment technician who has had profound, unexplained paranormal experiences ever since he was a young child. He became determined to learn as much as he could by researching every possible technological method in the hopes of finding the truth about his otherworldly encounters. So uh, joining Dave and myself is Shane Pittman from the program. Shane, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I want to start out, Shane, by asking, how is your point of view different uh, from what Cindy and Dave do. Dave is the principal investigator. Cindy's the psychic. I guess you're a little more behind the scenes as a cameraman technician. But in terms of your point of view, is, is it radically different from what Cindy and Dave are experiencing? No, it's not. I wouldn't say it's radically different. I, I think my point of view comes from... it's, it's a. It's a unique situation because Dave and Cindy, they basically are handling these cases kind of like how Dr. Hans Holzer did. He went in with a trusted medium into a location and would, and he would be trusting that psychic medium with information. And Dave and Cindy, they kind of act in the same manner. I'm coming in now with new tech, you know, tech that was not readily available um, all those years ago. Right. So I kind of bring the new, the new technological uh, aspect to the investigations, and that's the only radical uh, difference that I, I would say I bring into it. But as far as all of us going into the investigation, I think we go in uh, pretty much on the same page otherwise. Shane, tell us about some of the newest technology that's available in the field and that you're able to use with the program. Well, there's amazing things, and there's some there's some uh, technology that you're going to be able to see this season. I, I won't go too much into it, but there's some things where we're testing uh, different electromagnetic fields and using different experiments 
in regards to that, to uh, give us the answers that we need, we're using different cameras and things like that, hands-free devices, to where we can go into different locations and, and bring more equipment into the environment, into the case to uh, to get the answers that we need. Do you also rely on uh, some of the you know standard equipment that we've seen used on television over the last 15, 20 years? Right, right. We we use the you know the standard digital recorders, uh, the IR cameras the millimeters, things like that. You'll see that quite a bit uh, this season on the show. Yeah. Do you have a particular piece of equipment that you really like to go to? It's kind of your go-to equipment. Well, I like the millimeter. Uh, The millimeter, the latest one, which is the 8704R, which basically has a lot of different tools in it that you can use uh, simultaneously. Uh, There is... uh, you know, where you can use the temperature, you can gauge the temperature and the electromagnetic field at the same time, and it, it will gauge that for you and use that correlation. Uh, also, the EMF burst function um, also has its own radiating electromagnetic field, uh, which can help you in a lot of different scenarios. It's also got a uh, shadow detecting function. So my go-to, I would say, would be the uh, the latest version, the EMF, the millimeter. Um, yeah, the millimeter, the 8704R. During the first hour, we talked about the first two episodes that have aired on the Travel Channel. Um, let's bring mm-hmm. Dave back in to talk about the episode. Uh, well, we don't want to give everything away because a lot of people haven't seen it yet, but it debuted right. at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Uh, this one set in San Diego at the famed Whaley House. Uh, Dave, what can you tell us about what you discovered there? Dave, you there? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just coughing. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold here, oh, okay. so I might mute my mic from time to time to save everybody's eardrums from blowing out. <laughs> okay. um, I uh, Talking real quickly about the technology, I know Shane is being a little cagey, um, but he brought some new stuff into this uh, that, that's going to be cool. We, we experimented with a new thing called the Spectacles. That is uh, like a, a full VR, uh, UV, and night vision camera setup that he wears that gives hands-free technology for filming hmm. and is really kind of cool. And we're, we're bringing in a couple of uh, the, uh, different gyroscopes and, and different items to try to make communication. We're going to be pushing boundaries this season and next with uh, famed old technology and some new stuff. But uh, with the Whaley House, again, it was it was a trip to go to this place because Hans Holzer really put this place on the map with paranormal and, and deeming it the most haunted house in America. Mm-hmm. So when you go into something like that and, and there's that stigma above it, you know, I I talked to Shane before we got in because, you know, we got to keep Cindy in the dark about where we're going so she's not front-loaded. But I told Shane, I'm like, dude, what, what is there left to tell? What story can we uncover that hasn't already been beaten to the ground? And, and then when Cindy got unleashed, she started digging up some crazy stuff with her mediumship. And lo and behold, we take it to the uh, historians and take it to the experiencers, and we start uncovering and piecing together a puzzle 
unlike anything we expected. It, mm-hmm. it even surprised the employees, and we got access to things that had never been shared before publicly. So it's not just, you know, she, he said, she said. We had documentation and letters and things that, that put this ghost and, and the dark and energy and entity um, there even during the time that the Whaley's lived there. Most people think this is either the ghost of, Gen, uh, of Yankee Jim, who was hung on that property at one point, or they think that it, it's the Whaley's themselves. And they're just a small part of the story. There's so much more going on. And it was uncovering these little nuggets of history that had gone astray and putting them back where they belong and uh, finding that what Cindy was picking up on wasn't just some wild rabbit chase. We were able to corroborate these stories with real history and and stories that you know they had never released before. So doing that, I also had an encounter that, you know, in 13 years, and I'll tell you what, I'll mention something to you that did not air tonight. Uh, 13 years, two things happened to me at this, at this investigation that I was not prepared for. Hmm. Um, one was I was violated by a spirit early on. Something happened and touched me very inappropriately and shocked both Shane and I. They didn't end up airing that part of the show, thankfully. Uh, but then later when we called this thing out, we dragged it out from the darkness, uh, called it out, it knocks me flat to the ground. And poor Shane was against the wall. This thing hits me, knocks me into Shane. Mm. So Shane was literally between a rock and a hard place, and uh, I hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. Uh, I've never been physically touched or altered in 13 years, and this, this shook my paradigm. So it was a totally new experience for me. Were you physically injured in any way? Uh, ego wise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that hurt, but it embarrassed me. And it, it, I, it, I was embarrassed because I, I kind of asked for it, uh, the way I was kind of pushing buttons and, um, it hurt my back hurt bad. It felt like I got hit by a linebacker. I'm not going to lie. And then yeah. luckily Shane, you know, took some of the blow for me because I, I slammed into him and he worked as a good shock ex- absorber. I would have hit that wall and buckled. You know, the yeah, world. I felt every bit of that. I was bruised uh, well after that investigation, for sure. You know, I've read a lot about the Whaley House. I, uh, I've i never been out there. I don't really like to fly, so it's difficult for me to get to the West Coast, but it is a place I should go visit, given my interest in the subject matter. I'm curious about the architecture and the atmosphere. What what is the, What is it like going through that building, both in terms of the the physical structure, but also just the feeling that you get going through it. Well, I mean, you're steeped in this amazing history, and there was so much tragedy that took place there before it was a home, during the time it was a home, and so on. Um, You know, so you're automatically just kind of, you, you can feel it. That was, that first night stepping in was one of the first times I've ever felt this palpable thickness that just made me I didn't want to proceed to be honest with you but it, it once you're in there it's a beautiful place it's it's interesting it's historic but you could tell something was not happy that we were coming to poke around and and start shaking things up uh, but the the architecture's really cool um, and and when you start finding out that boy this is right where a gallows once stood mm. who would buy this stigmatized property and and that's part of what we uncover in this story is just so many bizarre twists and turns. Shane, did you get a similar feeling at the Whaley House? 
I absolutely did. Uh, it was very thick, very heavy the moment that you walked into the place. Uh, like Dave said, it's a very beautiful, very beautiful building, very beautiful place. But there was something that did not want us there. And we were getting warning signs all throughout the night. And like Dave said, whenever he was knocked on his butt, it was it, that was kind of like the climax of everything. We were getting warning signs all throughout the, the night. Um, things were happening with the crew behind the scenes that we didn't have cameras set up to show because they were outside. But there was a lot of stuff going on that it was, uh, it was definitely intense. Would you say that it was frightening or it didn't quite get to that level? Um, it was frightening to me um, whenever Dave got knocked down. That, that was truly frightening. That was something that I think all of us had the realization that, you know, this spirit was wanting to make itself known hmm. uh, no matter what. And that, that was truly frightening. I had to take a step back and compose myself, and I think we all did. Uh, whenever that happened. Did you think initially that he had, had tripped or stumbled, or did you realize this was something paranormal the whole time? No, initially I thought that he did that he did lose his footing and, and uh, tripped and fell. Uh, to be honest, I had no clue. I, I was just as blindsided as he was. Mm. I had no clue. I didn't even have time to think. I mean, he hit me so quick, and... It wasn't until I did the review, the evidence review, where I did frame by frame and I saw exactly what went down. But it was, it was crazy. I, I did think initially that he just tripped and, and uh, lost his footing. Before the bottom of the hour, Shane, I wanted to ask you kind of an interesting theoretical question. If I could present to you a different role that you would play in the show for just one day, uh, let's say you could be the psychic, you could be the Cindy role, or you could be the investigator, the Dave role. For one day, which would you take? Hmm. I would say the investigator role. And the reason why is because we got a glimpse in, in one of the episodes, the Oceanborn Mary episode. Uh, me and Dave had a glimpse of what Cindy, I think, goes through all the time. It was very active. Um, it was a very active investigation. And yeah, it was. I, yeah, I really don't think that I could deal with what Cindy deals with on a daily basis. Um, it, it was a uh, sensory overload for me. So if I had to choose one, I would say I would go the investigator route sounds to me, though, you're pretty pleased doing what you're doing now. I am absolutely honored and, and very pleased to be doing what I'm doing now. Um, just to be a part of this team and to be furthering the case files like we're doing now, is, it's just been humbling and a complete honor. We've got about 30 seconds before a break at the bottom of the hour. Just curious how much you knew about Hans Holzer going into this program. I've known about Hans Holzer for a very long time. I actually, uh, before the show years ago, reached out to Alexandra because I knew about uh, 
Dr. Hans Holzer and what he called the Holzer method um, with him and taking a trusted psychic medium with him on investigations. And me and Alexandra uh, connected uh, years ago uh, due to that fact, due to the research and stuff that I did uh, years prior to the show. So I've, I've known about uh, Dr. Holzer for quite a while. I want to go back to Dave for a moment. We've heard reference a couple of times to the files of Hans Holzer. And when you mention the files, are we talking about strictly written documents or are there audio recordings? What kinds of information is there? And then how do you use that information to determine which um, areas or which places you want to follow up on? Well, we're lucky that um, we've got access to, uh, he, he used to film it on VCR and on 8mm, and he audio recorded on reel-to-reel and cassette. Hmm. Um, he did photographs. He kept copious notes and kept every letter he ever got. So we have got all of that to sift through. And Gabe Roth, our researcher, does most of that hard work of sifting through, finding what cases really kind of compelled Hans and left him wondering. And he left the Whaley House knowing that there was more to the story and not sure what this darkness was. Now, he didn't have 2019 technology where he could Google or newspapers.com and get anything. He had to go through hours and hours of microfiche to maybe find a reference to something. And uh, he was he was diligent about doing his work, and he put he got that started for us. So we have a jumping off point. Now we have other ways to get more information, and thankfully historians have dug deeper and further back past some of these stories. So we're even able to get it from there. So we've really just kind of taken what he started, and we're taking it to the 21st century, and and uh, you know reeducating people to these amazing pieces of history from a guy that. Uh, for all intents and purposes, was integral in all of this, and unfortunately might have been lost to time yeah. if if the family and and Travel Channel hadn't come together to reexamine these cases. And that's that's an important part of what we do. Dave, who ultimately makes the decision on which cases you're going to follow up on? Is it uh, is it the researcher you mentioned? Is it a committee? Do you all have input? How does that work? Well, you know, Gabe, Gabe, and uh, um, goes through all of these files. When he finds a few of the cases he thinks really have some meat on the bone and something that, you know, there were clues left enough behind for us to maybe take it to another step, he turns it over to programming in our production company, and they kind of evaluate the stories to see what makes sense and then who's, you know, can we still get into these locations? Can we get access to them? That's an important aspect. And what's great, you know, the the episodes that we've been doing, um, you know, with the the first one in in Rye, New York, in the Peck House, nobody's really followed up on that since Hans Holzer's stories. And Morris Jumel Mansion has been featured on many different shows, but we uncovered a different aspect of the story. And Whaley House, same story. We we were able to come out and find new things. So it's really uh, it's very exciting to to watch this dynamic to come together. We've got such a great team on camera and off camera that really are proficient at digging deep and getting the the experiencers and we've got some of the families that some of these places have not opened their doors in 50 years Hmm. to anybody and they let us in because of hans holzer and 
our connections to that program and, and, and his research. And we're able to go back in and give another look at these stories. People have been knocking on their door for 50 years trying to get in, and they never opened up their doors until we came a-knocking. You mentioned a researcher, Gabe. That's Gabe Roth, who helps you out with all the programs. Do you ever have a situation where, okay, you've decided you're going to go in and you're going to follow up at a particular location and then nothing happens and you can't use it? It's just not, you can't make a show out of it. Does that ever occur? Well, we have interesting and compelling aspects of the story. This next week is one of them. Uh, the episode is The Devil in Texas that will mm. take place this coming Thursday. That's a great title, and by the way. Was, <laughs> Love that title. And, and yeah. the, uh, the case, uh, Hans Holz originally investigated. This family went through infestation, oppression, and then possession. And they had so much activity going on, creepy, amazingly creepy stuff. And Hans Holzer did his best to bring answers. And we revisit that case to find out what the, the final story was. And we, we find the story end, and it and unfortunately was not a good end. But we take what we learned from Hans Holzer and what we learned from that case and its ending and a, a new woman in Missouri had reached out um, because of my show, Darkness Radio. We've been on the air for 13 years, and people you know, listen from around the world, and they often reach out to me looking for help to put them with, with experts that can maybe answer these questions or help them understand what's going on. And this, this very sweet woman, Lydia, reached out, and she believed that she was dealing with something demonic, and her story was very compelling and kind of mirrored what had happened in Hans Holzer's case, and we end up taking what we learned from the past and, and bringing it to an all-new case, and that's what we feature next week on the show. And um, we're able to take when, you know, even though there might not be anywhere left to go with the original case, it, it opens doors to possibilities of, of other things going on, and that's, you know, that's really kind of compelling. But luckily, the places we've gone have continued to have activity, and people have reported activities, so we've been pretty lucky so far. Yeah. This program is in a place called Tyler, Texas, which I'm not really familiar with. What is Tyler like? Um, it was a nice little town, just very kind of uh, out there and rural. And, and you know, we, we got to go back to the original house. It's still in the family. We got to go back to that original house and see it, put ourselves in it, and do a little walkthrough investigation again with Cindy. And we uncover a few truths about what happened in that original story. And, and again, that's kind of why I said, you know what, I've got another story, uh, a woman right now that's dealing with this. And, you know, maybe, maybe we need to help this woman and, and make right for her what, what Hans couldn't make right for the other family because yeah. they, they let themselves go too far. Shane Pittman, I'm I'm curious about your situation. You're handling all this equipment. You're handling the camera. In a way, it seems to me like you're you're kind of the most exposed. Uh, you know, if if something happens where you know people decide to start running and uh, you know getting out of the way, you really can't do that because you've got an attachment to the equipment. You got to keep. You got to keep the film rolling. Um, do you feel like you're exposed in this role? Uh, sometimes, but I I think that we work fairly well together. We've 
kind of click to the point to where we know um, we know each other's boundaries. We know um, what we're doing, what job, what task that we have at hand. So at times, yes, but for the most part, you know, we we've got a game plan whenever we go in and uh, we get things done. How about the fatigue factor? Dave mentioned during the first hour that typically you do about five days at a location, and these are like 12-hour days. Uh, I would think, um, you know, lugging equipment around and working with equipment and putting in these long hours, you know, this is not as glamorous as some people might think. Fatigue, does that play a factor for you at all? There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, yeah, fatigue, you can get fatigued at times. Um, but like I said, going back to it, we, going into these cases, have a solid game plan. And that even boils down to uh, the rest that we need uh, to make sure that we bring the best resolution to these cases. So, you know, we're pretty uh, we're pretty tight knit group, pretty pretty organized in the fact of game planning and and making sure that we bring the best to the case every time. So yes, fatigue does play a factor at times, but I think we do a really good job at handling that and and um, you know handling ourselves. Three episodes have aired so far, many more to come. Uh, for you, Shane, has there been one episode that has really stood out as a, as a personal favorite? Uh, yeah, there's been, there's been a few. I, I would have to say the Oceanborn Mary case um, that's going to be coming up is a really profound one because there were so many curveballs in, in the equation, and the story took so many turns. It's just, it, it was a great case. I, I can't say enough about that. Um, and if I, if I could add just one more, the, the one that's coming up next week, uh, the Devil in Texas episode, that one was impactful for us because we were dealing with a family, a personal case. And being able to help that family was was so rewarding for us. So that that was another uh, standout episode that I really, uh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. You mentioned the, I believe it's the Ocean Born Mary. Uh, where exactly is that? That is in, Dave, help me out here. That's Henniker, isn't it? Yes, that's right, Henniker. Oh, that's New Hampshire. Yeah. Okay. Right, that that's the Henniker one. Yeah, and like Dave was saying earlier too, we we do so many, so many of these cases. Sometimes things get jumbled up at times, but yeah, it's it's in Henniker, and that case is. I can't wait for people to see that. That yeah. was an amazing case. It sounds to me like your schedule for all of you is pretty hectic. You just go from one case to another, and there's not much of a break in between am i correct in saying that (laughs) yeah we did uh you know i would start filming at maybe around um two in the afternoon and and end at maybe four in the morning and then i'd get home and crash uh for a couple hours and then i'd have to get up at 9 a.m to start recording my uh radio show for the night and uh for midnight in the desert and then i would get done with that and you know hit the showers 
grab a sandwich, and then I'd be on set filming again, uh, and we would get maybe two, three days off between episodes. And then we were right back at it. Um, so it was wearing, but it was fun, man. It was just, it, and to get to see these places, hear the people. And we, you know, Shane and I did uh, little excursions. So we kept our sanity. We would go visit places in, in historic sites. And, you know, it was great to get out and see other things. Like we visited Babe Ruth's grave and Jimmy Cagney's grave. And, and just mm. to see some of these other things that are in the area that we might have missed had we just stuck in our hotel rooms and rested. So we did try to get out. We, when we went to New Jersey, we spent an afternoon in Asbury Park following in the steps of Bruce Springsteen, who's one of my oh, personal yeah. heroes. Yeah, so we, we've, we've really tried to make the best of these moments. And then, um, you know, going out to movies with Cindy and dinners, and it's, it was a delight, every part of it. We're only a yeah, few epi- I'm sorry, go right ahead, Shane. No, I was just going to add that, yeah, it was – it was so rewarding. It, it's been so rewarding doing the show and, and working with a great team like this. It's just been uh, phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about it. What kind of feedback are you getting from fans, from the people at the Travel Channel? I, I know only a few episodes have aired at this point, so we're still kind of early in the evolution here. But what's the feedback been so far? We're watching uh, great response through social media you know you're you're always worried how people are going to respond to it but people seem to love the fact that we really treat this like a detective show uh mm-hmm. and we're really giving um you know some strength to the histories and this the investigation is important but getting the stories and and giving the voices to these spirits and lost souls have have really seemed to um resonate with people travel channel loves it and they're behind us 100 percent uh, the fans seem to be really following it, and I hate saying fans because that sounds weird to me, but the friends of the show are behind it and, and you know, really enjoying it on, on social media. You know, we get our couple of naysayers, but, you know, as Jason Hawes knows, that's just part of the game. And, yeah. you know, the, the haters are going to tune in as much as the, the lovers because the haters want to watch you fail and the lovers want to watch you succeed. So as long as they tune in, that's all that matters. And, by the way, we want to send out a note of congratulations to Jason Hawes and, uh, and Ghost Nation, because that show's great, and we're glad to see it's part of the Travel Channel family with us. Very nice, very nice. Shane, what kind of feedback are you getting? Uh, we've been getting great feedback. You know, the main uh, feedback that I've been getting lately is there's a lot of people that are telling us you know, we haven't heard of Hans Holzer. And, you know, it's a, it's a younger crowd. Sure. We haven't heard of Hans Holzer. Thank you for bringing his cases to light again. And that, to me, is, is one of the most rewarding things, is to be able to reopen Hans Holzer's cases and, and to give people a newfound respect for him and for how he pioneered the field and kind of laid the foundation for us. I, that, that's the most rewarding for me. And, and, you know, the feedback from everybody has been phenomenal. Um, we have the best uh, friends, as Dave said, in, in the world. I wouldn't trade them for anything. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I'm a big fan of history, uh, whether it's uh, horror, sci-fi, uh, ghost investigations, whatever it might be. Hans Holzer has been gone for 10 years. It's 
it's always kind of sad how quickly people get forgotten after they've passed yeah. on. And it's terrific that uh, that you and Cindy and Gabe and the other folks are keeping the legacy of Dr. Holzer, a great researcher, legendary figure in the field. Uh, you're keeping that going. So I congratulate you both on doing that. Uh, for those who would like to um, learn more about the show, the website is www.travelchannel.com. And then if you go to uh, backslash shows, backslash Holzer Files, uh, that'll take you specifically to the program, uh, the Holzer Files at the TravelChannel.com website. I uh, want to thank you uh, both uh, for being with us, uh, Dave Schrader, Shane Pittman. Uh, best of luck uh, with the program as it's really just starting to roll this fall and winter. Well, thank you very much for having us on. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Shane. Uh, Appreciate you being with us for uh, a couple of hours on Beyond Reality Radio. Have a good night, guys. You too. Thank you. you. Thank you. I do want to tell you about Scaricon coming up. Uh, That's where J.V. Johnson is at right now. Scaricon commences tomorrow, October 18th, at the Rochester Riverside Hotel. And that is in Rochester, New York. A number of celebrities will be there. Uh, Doug Bradley, the star of the Hellraiser series. Uh, David Howard Thornton, who plays that uh, really creepy and horrific clown in the Terrifier films. Uh, There's also going to be a reunion for Phantasm, a cult classic movie that came out 40 years ago. In 1979, Felissa Rose, who's become a mainstay as Scarecon, will be there as well. And also, they have some great panels as well. Uh, there's going to be a panel on the original Creepshow film from the mid-1980s. Uh, that's the influence for the new Creepshow TV series on Shudder. I've seen it. It's terrific, the episodes that I've seen so far. Also, there's a really good panel about horror in comics over the years. So lots of great panels, terrific celebrities. If you want to learn more about it, go to Scaricon.com. More importantly, if you're in the area, we hope you can make it to Rochester tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, October 18th through the 20th, Scaricon 2019. That'll wrap it up for tonight's edition of Beyond Reality Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.Taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.